Praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God this Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining with us. I want to appreciate each one uh, being a part of our services this morning. Absolute awesome spirit of the Lord in the place this te- this morning. Uh, great, great crowd. Also, uh, great attendance on our live feed as well. Again, thank you so much for joining with us this afternoon as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Before we get started, we want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to touch and minister in each of the uh, each of the prayer requests that's been turned in. We've had many uh, prayer requests. We've had uh, many people that has needs. If you have a need, please text it to the number listed on the bottom of the screen, and we will join with you in partnering in, in, in prayer for your need. Amen. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you again today, want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to join together one more time and worship you. Tonight, Father, as we take a look at your word in the book of Revelation, Father, I pray that you'll open up your word to us. I pray, Father, that you'll give us the insights that's needed so that we can continue uh, to be the servants that we need to be for the building of the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tonight, as we take a look into the book of Revelation, chapter 16, Revelation chapter 16, as you're turning there in your Bible, just as a reminder of where we have been, where we're at, uh, where we're going, if you will. uh, There's several videos uh, all the way back to the month of June of last year on our uh, on our website and our YouTube channel. You're welcome to visit that so that you can get caught up as far as any of the things of what we've been looking at up to this point. Uh, last Sunday, we started looking at pouring out the bowl of judgments found here in chapter 16. We looked at the fact that judgment is coming to earth. Why? Because of the evil and the, ter- and the uh, uh, lack of morality that has been on earth. And these judgments are coming. We, we uh, looked at a couple of verses last Sunday night. We looked at verse 1 as it was giving us the setting of where John is at. Verse 2 is the first bowl of judgment which is on earth verse 3 the second bowl which is on the sea and we're going to be picking up there starting in verse 4 so if you have your bibles if you will go ahead and turn with us to verse 4 let's take a look here starting in verse 4 we're going to read verses 4 through 7 the third angel poured out his bowl on the into the rivers and the spring of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters saying, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. That is what they deserve. Finally in verse 7, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, True and just are your judgments. There's a third bowl of judgment. It is poured out upon the fresh waters where the Antichrist and his followers are consecrated. 
concentrated. This, there's a meaning behind this. Everyone on earth would die if there was no fresh water. Therefore, therefore, the, this particular bowl of judgment is poured out upon the waters in the Middle East and in Europe where the Antichrist power is concentrated. There'll be little drinking water or bathing water available in these areas. The effects of the water pollution will be much more devastating. Why? Because it is upon the Antichrist and his followers. They'll have little water for drinking, no water for washing and bathing, and what the Antichrist is going to do, and this is just a thought here, uh, this is not biblical, this is not sitting here uh, etched in stone, uh, but we know that what's going to happen, just because this is human nature, uh, because of little water, it will have to be transported and airlifted into the Middle East from all other parts of the world. As we'll see in just a moment, we'll take a look at the armed forces but why, and why they'll be supplied first along with the Antichrist and his followers. Now note something else. These judgments are predictions about what is going to happen in the end times. Therefore, there are always people who hear about the judgments and question at, because they don't fit into their ideology. They don't fit into what they think about who God is. To them, God is just a loving and a kind God that is floating around on a cloud and he's, uh, he's singing kumbaya, playing a fiddle. But that is not who God is. God is coming to this time where he is going to be pouring out the just wrath upon earth that earth deserves. Jesus Christ knew that there would be objections to these judgments. Therefore... Right here in the middle of this third judgment, Jesus reminds John and all others why God is going to pour out this judgment upon earth. There are two reasons that we find here in these passages of Scripture. You could actually go back into, you could take a look into verse 16, and you can see that there's going to be a ma that all of the mass murders that will be launched during the end times at the time of the Antichrist, the Antichrist, his followers, the prophets, they will launch the most terrible holocaust. We've spoke about this time and time again. They will launch the most terrible holocaust ever witnessed by the world. Every believer, every Jew, every person who remains loyal to God and and or to their own religion. If you'll remember, several months ago, we talked about how that the Antichrist is not going to be just focusing upon the Christians. He's focusing on anyone who is loyal to their own religion and not worshiping the Antichrist. What does this tell us? It tells us that any all who refuse to worship the Antichrist, the Antichrist prophet, Antichrist uh, uh, leadership at the end time they will all be slaughtered this is not just Christians this is Muslims Hindus anyone else that does not follow in line with the Antichrist this will be a mandate remember that word this will be a mandate 
by the government. They will all be slaughtered. There will be millions upon millions of people slaughtered by the most cruel and humane methods in my unimaginable. The word I've got wrote here on my notes is imaginable, but it would be the most unimaginable ways. Second of all, we also find in verse 7, let's take a look. Verse 7, God is true and righteous. He is just. Therefore, in the end times, God God will be confronted with such horrifying evil that he can no longer take the ungodliness and the evil that is that is rampant upon earth. God will reach a point when his love for the godly people of the earth and for the righteous cannot take the murderous ways and rejection of the people any longer. When the Holocaust is launched worldwide, he is going to punish the evildoers and the world will come to an end. What is going to happen during this time of a Holocaust? We've mentioned it before. It's, and it's not, it, it is worth mentioning one more time just as a reminder to us. During the end times, they will imprison and, tor and torture millions. Therefore, God is going to punish them with an equal punishment. That is, of last Sunday uh, evening, we talked about the cankerous sores. Cancerous and cankerous sores. Also, they murdered and shed the blood of millions. Therefore, God is going to punish punish the evil by allowing a bloodly red substance to pollute the sea and the fresh water of the earth. Notice here that in these verses, an angel declares in verse 7 that God is the true and righteous God, God of judgments. The angel declares that God is perfectly just, that he executes exactly what the un ungodly and evil deserve. You can find Throughout Scripture, several passages found uh, in the Word of God concerning things such as what we're talking about this afternoon. You can take a look at John chapter 5 and, and verse 3. I can, um, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. You can move on over to Romans chapter 2. And verse 2, but we are sure, sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. Psalms 103 and verse 6, the Lord executeth righteous and judgment for all those who are oppressed. Psalms 119 and verse 137, righteous thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. We find throughout the word of God. That God is a God of love, God of mercy, God of grace. But God is also a God of justice, judgment. The rivers of Egypt, we will find, they will be polluted by God in the same fashion as it was in Exodus chapter 7, verses 17 through 25, by a bloody red pollution. This bloody red pollution is not able to be drunk Therefore, as we've mentioned before, and we're going to continue to look at, the, the, all of the waters, everything will be uh, exported from everywhere to where the Antichrist and his followers are at. So let's move on. Verse 8. 
we find starting in verse chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. There's a, there's a fourth bowl of judgment that is poured out. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. Verse 9. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they were cursed, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent nor give him glory. This fourth bowl of judgment is poured out upon, upon the sun. Severe heat and radiation from the sun are going to scorch the ungodly and evil on earth. There'll be a heat wave unlike anything that the earth has ever felt before. The sun will burn and scorch people with a blazing, fierce heat. They will be in misery and torment. They will fret and groan and be miserable. The idea is that the weather will be so hot it will be burning like an oven. The ungodly still will not repent. They will do what unbelievers have usually done when things go bad. They curse and blaspheme the name of God. I mean, you know, and this is exactly what is going on in the day and time we're living in now. I mentioned something about this this morning. I mentioned how that people in a time when things are going bad, they'll do one of two things. They'll either call upon the name of God until things get good, or they will curse God and not repent. Well, if God's going to allow these bad things to happen to me, then I'm not going to go serve Him. It's not that God is allowing these bad things to, to happen to you. It, it, and in these, ver, in these verses that we've just read, to the people that are in these verses, it's not that. That God is allowing these things to happen. It is that the veil of the protection of God has been removed. In the day and time we're living in right now, there's something we can do about that. We can turn our, our eyes and our focus back upon God and get back under the veil of protection of God. These in this ver in these two verses will not have that luxury. It may be hitting with one finger's with one's finger by the hammer or an accident in a car, no matter what it is, the response of an unbeliever or one who is running from God is to curse and blaspheme against God. At the end time, it'll be no different as it is today. The ungodly and the evil will not repent no more than they do in the day and time that we're in. If, if man repented like we should... The church houses should be full. Regardless of social distancing, regardless of COVID restrictions, the house of God should be full. If we're more scared about catching COVID in the house of God than we are in Walmart or in Home Depot, then we need to get ourselves to an altar. Amen? What we've got to understand is Yes, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody not to use common sense and I'm not telling anybody not to uh, use precautions and th do the things that needs to be done. But what I'm telling us is simply this. If we're more scared of COVID than we are of the judgments of God, we need to get our lives checked. The ungodly and the evil 
of the day that we're reading here in these verses and in today's time that we are living in today will not repent no more than they ever have before. They only curse the name of God. Brother Andy, they've never done this. Well, Acts chapter 7 and 51 tells us, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do you. 2 Corinthians 24 and 19. Yet he sent the prophets to them to bring them again to the Lord, and they test, testified against them, but they would not testify against them, but they would not give ear. Jeremiah 32 and 33. And they turned unto me the back and not the face, though I taught them, rising up early, teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive the instructions. All throughout the Word of God. Prophets of God have have taught and preached about the judgments that would be coming from God. But what happens is the same thing. And people, they automatically, they throw it up. Oh, he's being harsh. Oh, he's being judgmental. Oh, they're being rude and crude. But all the prophets and the ministers and the pastors and the evangelists that are truly following after the will of God, all they're trying to do, all they are trying to do is get people to hearken to the voice of God. But what happens is, is Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 11. Zechariah 7 and 11. But they refused to hearken and they pulled away the shoulder, stopped up their ears, and they did not listen. Church, we need to listen to the voice of God. I've had people to ask me, will you, will you uh, preach on, don't preach on uh, us changing our lifestyles and let's preach on something else. Once people start changing their lifestyles, then God will allow me to preach on something else. Let's continue on. Take a look at verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 10 and verse 11, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and they cursed the God of heaven for their pain and their sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Verse 9, they did not repent. Verse 11, they did not Repent, church. John the Baptist came and he preached a very simple message. I I brought it out this morning. His simple message was simply this. Repent, 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 repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We find here in verse 9, they did not repent. Verse 11, they did not repent. Church, we need to get our on our knees before God onto the thr- and grab a hold of the horns of the altar of God one more time, and need to re- we need to repent of our deeds. This fifth bowl of judgment is poured out upon the seat or the throne of the Antichrist. The whole kingdom of the Antichrist and his followers will be thrown into pure darkness. This is not referring to spiritual darkness, but a a phenomenon that blocks out the light and the heat of day. 
This is a drastic change from the scorching light and the heat of the fourth judgment. Now we're in the fifth judgment. We've gone from the fourth judgment of scorching light and heat into the fifth judgment of darkness. Heavy pitch darkness that will fall upon the whole kingdom of the Antichrist and all who follow after him. This judgment seems to exclude the nations who are not actively included into the Antichrist kingdom. There are many nations cooperating with the Antichrist but are not actively included in his kingdom. They are, of course, guilty by association. Guilty because they have formed an alliance with the Antichrist. But they are apparently spared some of the judgments because they are not quite as guilty. However, their armies will be destroyed, their governments and their cities in utter chaos at the battle of Armageddon all because they are ungodly and evil in so many other ways please note let me give you a little note here all the world to some degree when the antichrist comes on the scene will be cooperating with the antichrist the antichrist will be sitting at the head of some world organization like the United Nations or the European market. Therefore, the seat and the kingdom of the Antichrist is all who cooperates with the Antichrist. Now, we can go back into the Word of God and we can find we can find a couple of different predictions. We find where Joel prophesied about this heavy black darkness. You can look at Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all of the inhabitants of the, terror of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for, the, for it is nigh at hand, and the day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, a great and a strong people, there hath not be, ever been like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. But we can flip on ahead and look at Matthew chapter 24. And we see that Christ predicted and prophesied that the sun and all other light would turn dark, stricken with pitch black darkness. Immediately after tribulation, verse 29, it says, Immediately after tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. We note that the suffering will be excruciating. The suffering of their sores, their thirst, their filth, their smell, 
the smell of water pollution, the scorching heat, the pitch black darkness will cause the Antichrist, the Antichrist prophet, the followers of the Antichrist to curse and blaspheme God more and more. Note that the torment will be so painful and unbearable that verse 10 tells us that they will gnaw their tongue. But even in all of this, they still shall not repent of their ungodly, evil ways. The only way, they, they will only become more and more stubborn and hardened in their wickedness and their rebellion against God. I just want to remind you, I'm not talking about today, I'm talking about the time of tribulation, but it sounds like a lot of people today. Verse 12, the last one we look at this afternoon. Verse 12 through 16 is the sixth bowl of judgment. Last Sunday we looked at the setting, we looked at the first, second, and third bowl. Tonight we've looked at the fourth, fifth, and now the sixth bowl of judgment. Take a look at verses 12 through 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who will go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Verse 16. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Let's start here in verse 12 one more time. So let's take a look. This sixth bowl of judgment is found in verse 12. It is poured out upon the Euphrates River. You can look at Revelation chapter 9 verses 13 through 21 for a reference. The purpose of this sixth judgment is to prepare the nations and the armies of the world for the great battle of Armageddon. Verse 16 says, And they gathered together at a place that in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. It is a judgment of deception, not of affliction. Armageddon is the last great war of the earth which will be instigated by the Antichrist and his followers. 
There are six facts that we find here in this sixth bowl of judgment. Six facts that we find here in this sixth bowl of judgment. Let's take a look at each of these in these in these passages of scripture. First we find and I'm going to try to I'm going to try to follow in on these verses as we're going through those. So just uh, follow along with us starting in verse 12. The judgment dries up the great Euphrates River. How could a river of enormous size, 17, 1,780 miles long, 300 to anywhere from, to any, and, and ranges from 300 to 1,200 yards wide. Its depth is 10 to 30 feet deep in many different areas. How could this enormous river dry up? Today, man can build huge lakes and rivers and canals. Man can divert huge lakes and rivers. Can also divert huge lakes and rivers. In the end time, natural disasters will be increasingly striking the earth Whole areas of the earth will be devastated by the forces that is going wild. Just how great the Euphrates River will dry up by man or devastation, we don't really know. But Scripture clearly tells us that it will be dried up. Number two, the reason for the Euphrates River drying up is to allow a great armed confederation of armies of of nations to form and to march against Israel and to exterminate the Jews. This confederation is called the kings of the east and in this great confederation we must remember no matter how sophisticated weapons get it takes a soldier To set foot on a land to conquer it. A foot soldier is needed to conquer a nation. When conquerors want to preserve the land, atomic weapons destroy the land and make it unusable. In the end time, nations of the king of the east will want to preserve Palestine for its land and enormous wealth. Therefore, they will march against it with foot soldiers to preserve the land itself. God will help the advancements of troops by seeing that the great Euphrates River is dried up. The point is this. The Antichrist and the Confederation will begin to march against Israel And the other nations of the world will apparently become edgy and nervous. The reason is because of the fear of the military move to conquer the world by beginning at Palestine. The resources of the Middle East 
will be threatened and the insanity of exterminating a whole nation like the Jews will make people become very edgy. The third thing that we look at, there's fukudals of of verses that we could bring forth. We could take a look at Revelation 16 and 12. We could look at Daniel chapter 2 and 44. Daniel chapter 7, 19 through 27. Isaiah verse 2 and verse 4 which says, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords and their, into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You could also flip over to Isaiah 11 and 4. Then you could, you could uh, continue to follow through and look at Joel chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. Zephaniah 3 and verse 8. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 10. And chapter 12 and verse 9. All of these references will corroborate what we just spoke as far as the second point. The third point that we look at tonight, is there a source or spirit behind the confederation of nations? This verse tells us that all the nations of the earth are going to be involved in a great battle of Armageddon. Well, who is this? The kings of the east, all the nations of Palestine, apparently the Arabs, China, other eastern nations led by the Antichrist. The kings of the north, Palestine. This is all the nations north of Palestine into Russia. The kings of the south, all the nations south of Palestine, including Africa. The kings of the west, all the nations west of Palestine, involving Europe. European nations, some what's left of the Americas and Canada. Armies will gather from every nation, taking sides to protect its own interest. The conflict may be over oil in the Middle East. The utter insanity of the Antichrist to exterminate a whole nation and group of people. Or there may be other interests that we don't yet know of. The point is this. In the last days, all nations of the world will converge upon the Middle East. Every nation will join forces with two or more sides. They will be there to protect their own natural interest. What is being seen behind all of this? The evil spirits. We spoke this morning about how that Satan is attacking the church. There are spirits at work in the heavenlies. A war is raging. Evil spirits are giving power to the mouth of the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit 
and the false prophets of today. This means the power to influence and deceive the leaders of the, of the nations. Evil spirits will give two leaders supernatural power to inspire their confederation to march and conquer Palestine. All other nations will march to protect their own natural resource, their natural interest. We find in our passages... In verse 14, ending of verse 13 and into 14, so I'm going to put 13 on the screen. We find here the description of these evil spirits as frogs, symbolizing the ability to leap and spread this deception from the dragon, also known as the devil, to the Antichrist and his false prophets and executive officers and then on to every one of these nations. The picture is this. The demons are working miracles. What kind of miracles? Well, we're not really fully aware of that into Scripture. But the idea is that these demonic spirits will be performing signs. These signs are deceptive dreams, glorious triumphs, visions of, of grandeur, setting passions aflame, and striking fear within the heart, arousing bitterness and hate among the nations. The result is quite clear. These evil spirits are gathering together all the armies of the world to a place in Palestine called Armageddon. This is also the valley of the mountain of Megiddo. This is a great valley that runs through the middle of Palestine from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River. It is about 200 miles long and 10 miles wide. We're going to go ahead and stop there. We'll pick up next Sunday, which next Sunday afternoon with the fourth point from this verse, verse 16. Church, I need you to understand something. I need us to all realize something. There is a day, a day of reckoning, a day of great horror, a day when the justice and the judgment of God will be passed upon planet earth. You may believe that you can run from God. You cannot run from God. Take this as a day. I know that we're all facing problems. We're all facing torment. We're all facing trials. We're all facing bad times. Don't run from God. Take this as an opportunity to run toward God. Change your habits. Change your lifestyles. 
run toward God. You may have a prayer request, something that we can partner with you in prayer. You can call or text the number listed on the bottom of the screen. Visit our website at cvcog.church for more information concerning Coosa Valley Church of God. Thank you so much for joining with us this afternoon. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. Remember, as we mentioned from this morning, you have a treat this Wednesday afternoon. Brother Michael and Sister Elizabeth will be in-house, in-house on this Wednesday afternoon. And they'll be continuing their study that they've been doing uh, in our teenagers class on Wednesday nights concerning what we, the Church of God, believe. You don't want to miss this. This is Articles 11 through 14 of the Church of God's uh, belief, what we believe. Come, be a part of what God is doing here at Coosa Valley. I'm expecting great things from our Wednesday night service. I'm looking forward to great reports. Come and be a part of what God is doing here at Coosa Valley. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. Thank you so much for being here, being with us this afternoon on our live feed. Remember uh, to text or call of any prayer requests that you may have. Also take a moment and share any of our live feeds on your social media pages and help us to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. Thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing here at Coosa Valley. May God bless you. Amen and amen.